Welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, we have an artist named Ratnoff. And uh, I had a great chat with Ratnoff um, just last week. He uh, lives in San Mateo, uh, so he's a, a local guy. And we talked a lot about his uh, new album that he's uh, putting out in fall called Let It Out. Um, I had a chance to listen to it uh, just the night before our interview and uh, and really dug it and uh, pr proud of what he's been able to accomplish. He's uh, taught himself a lot about music and um, and grown up uh, around music for, uh, you know, since he was a kid. And, um, and this is a culmination of a lot of his work. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, I don't have Jens with me here today on the program, so I'm going to fly solo. And we'll just gab a little bit about what is going on right now uh, here in my world. Uh, this past weekend was pretty relaxing. Uh, I had the opportunity to hang out with my buddy Joe and his family with, uh, with my kids and just went over there and let kids be kids and had some drinks and, uh, and dinner, you know, had some pizza, which was really relaxing. And then, um, and then uh, the next day um, I watched Space Jam, A New Legacy with my son. And he's been looking forward to that movie uh, for a while. We, um, we watched it from home, uh, from his mom's home actually. And, um, and I have been kind of dreading that movie for a while because of the tarnish it would put on the original Space Jam. I mean, it should come as no surprise because this you know, everything gets remade now, everything is redone and rebuilt and, uh, you know, has money pumped into it to, uh, to bring out fans, you know, and from a nostalgia factor. Uh, and this, you know, in terms of nostalgia, I didn't feel nostalgic uh, toward the original uh, Space Jam. I really love the original Space Jam, actually. Uh, and so did my uh, son. He was a big fan. Uh, uh, of it, of the original. So going in, he was uh, pretty pumped to see the new one. And uh, before we even watched the movie, um, he asked me, uh, Dad, do you like uh, the original Space Jam or the new Space Jam better? And I told him, I was like, hey, uh, buddy, um, haven't seen the new Space Jam yet. And he said, well, you've seen the trailer. And uh, I told him that wasn't the whole movie, but that there was no way that the new Space Jam could be better than the original. I know I shouldn't crash his dreams or anything like that right now. Um, he uh, bought with his own money a tune, um, you know, a tune squad jersey uh, the, uh, a couple of weeks back and um, has been so excited. But uh, I wanted to explain to him why it couldn't be better. Uh, and, uh, and here's what I broke down for my son in terms of Space Jam. The original Space Jam, which is really personal to me, not just because it's a great movie of my childhood, but um, I really got into it uh, and uh, became an even bigger fan of Michael Jordan after I met him um, at Scandia Family Fun Center in Fairfield, California. Uh, he was there with his kids. I was about 10 and my uh, mom told me to walk up to him and you know just go up to him and ask him if he'd take a picture with me. So me being nine or 10 that I am, uh, I, you know, I look up and I'm like, Mr. Jordan, can I have a picture with you? And he said, not right now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we went our, about our business. He played text, uh, Tetris for a while. Um, probably, I think he did the batting cages also with his, he was there with his family visiting a friend in Napa is what I understand. Um, and later uh, he was shaking hands and my mom was like, 
to my sister, just go, go stand next to him. Uh, and I'm going to take a picture. And she said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I went and stood next to, next to him. She hid behind the little carousel with three characters where you put a quarter in and spins around. And uh, she hid behind that and was taking pictures and the flash, you know, uh, he's, he's all the flash. He turned around and smiled and uh, thus, you know, is my picture with Mr. Michael Jordan. Um, so, um, so I became a really big fan of him from that point on. And um, I, I know bandwagony, but it was a really cool moment in a kid's uh, life. And, um, and I had that to grasp onto. But this is what I told my son as to why the new space legacy of Space Jam with LeBron James could not be, uh, be uh, the original Space Jam. I told him the space, original Space Jam movie was great through and through. Uh, and was a, a you know, true depiction um, besides the cartoon piece of what was going on in Michael Jordan's life at the time about how he retired from basketball and uh, and took up minor league baseball and he poked enough fun at himself uh, for not being good at minor league baseball uh, that uh, in that movie it was it was great that he was able to poke fun at himself uh, to where the catcher the catcher was. Uh, um, giving him the pitches, and he still swung at him uh, and missed. Um, and then he had this revelation that all happened with the tunes, so, you know, the history of the movie. And then uh, the movie culminates in him returning to basketball, which, uh, which is what he did at that exact time that he was going to, uh, and making Space Jam. It was, I mean, just such a great, perfect movie of its time. And the soundtrack. The soundtrack was amazing. Also, I believe I can fly. Basketball Jones, um, so many other um, you know great songs on that album. That uh, I had the album and I listened to it a lot. This new album on uh, New Legacy is nothing to write home about. It's just not great. Um, and the new movie, um, as I told my son, couldn't hold a flame to it. And by the way. 30, 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, so not very good uh, by that metric either. But uh, also the movie was going to be two hours long. A New Legacy is two hours, which is too long for a kid's movie. It was just too long. Uh, my attention span I could barely hold on, let alone uh, my kids. But my son was super into it. Um, it was over the top with production uh, quality. And, um, and then every just about every single warner brothers character from the mask to the jetsons to the flintstones to even pennywise from it uh was in that movie there were cameos left and right um you know from that regard they threw everybody in uh to um, observe the uh, big basketball game and there was one cameo though i will say that uh was and um that was good I will give it that credit and I will not spoil who it is um, because I'm guessing there's a lot of listeners and viewers who uh, have not seen uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy yet. So I don't want to ruin the whole movie. You know, for kids, it's fine. Um, I do hope I don't have to watch it again. I'm sure I'll get stuck watching it again at some point and walk out of the room and go do something else more entertaining because I can't give another two hours of my life to the movie. But um, I was able to see Space Jam 2 and support my son um, by watching the movie. So um, so that was my weekend. Oh, and 
Um, I had my second live concert post uh, COVID. I say post COVID, but you know, even though we're in the times of the Delta variant and things may be getting a resurgence of sorts, it's not pretty right now, but my, I had my second live concert. And the first one that didn't involve driving 10 hours to uh, uh, down south to Palm Springs, um, this one was actually pretty close in my backyard. It was five minutes away. And it's uh, our guest who's going to be on the program next week. And that is Michelle Lambert. Uh, she played Napa City Nights, which is a, uh, a weekly uh, concert out in the park in downtown Napa. Uh, I like to take the kids to that when I can and uh, and saw that she was playing, got into um, her music and saw how, you know, how powerful of a performer she is. Um, and uh, I think she was born with a violin. I joked with her about that. You hear it in the interview next week, but um, we have her on the program next week and it was great to just have this sense of live music back again. Um, really, really loved it. Um, so that's gonna be next week on the program. Um, all right, without further ado, we're gonna bring our guest for uh, the week in. Uh, as I said, this is uh, Ratanoff. Um, let's take a uh, listen to the interview right now. Radnoff, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I am good. Uh, I will take a line from uh, from your ninth track on the new new album, I'll tell you though, because I know you're in San Mateo, I'm in Napa. Yeah, yeah. oh, uh, Napa, okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. and uh, new album, by the way, really great. We'll, we'll get into all that, but I just want to start it out. It's, it's hot as hell and I fucking hate it, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we had yeah, for week, sure. this heat storm this past week and then all of a sudden, you know, back to, back to nice weather, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, man not too shabby so um yeah i'd like to start with how have you been holding up how is you know i mean we're kind of on the tail end of this pandemic at least for now and uh how, how has it treated you you know the funny thing is that i try to look for it as like get more like the positive of it and last year what happened was that because i couldn't travel i would always go to guadalajara which is where i have my friend and my producer and um and what i would do is that I would always like record all my demos with him. So because of the pandemic, I couldn't travel. So I had to learn how to record my own demos, which for me was like, ah, it was just terrible and stuff. So um, at the beginning, you know, it, it, took, it took me quite a bit to be able to, to get into that like zone of creating. But once I got past that hurdle, you know, after a few months, it, it was just like I opened up the Pandora box because it it just it just gave me like all this creativity. There, there's a program that's called Logic Pro X. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I the moment that I learned how to use it, I was just like on fire. You know, it was just crazy, crazy. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it, it was it was it was really great. But and of course, you know, because of because we couldn't go out, obviously, you know, my frustration of wanting to you know do to let it out as as, as I said um yeah it, it made me like write all these songs and it's kind of a cool thing yeah was it kind of therapeutic for you did it kind of help you channel some of you know it you... was and it was kind of traumatizing as well because I, I i also have a song there that's called another day and it was like oh my god <laughs> um just being the repetition of, of every day just feeling exactly the same it, so at the beginning it, it was therapeutic but then it was kind of frustrating because you know everything was closed everything and you'd go to the and you have to be wearing a mask 
it was just it was horrible but uh but i think that what came out of that was that i learned how to record my own demos i i wrote i think a really good album so and something that i'm that i'm very proud of i think that with this album i definitely found my voice yeah now uh now you grew up in san mateo right i did so like miles like 30 miles down south from where you are you're in uh where is it napa or sonoma yeah yeah napa oh, okay yeah yeah so so tell me kind of as you're growing up um where did you like to go to concerts did you go to a lot of concerts when you're uh you're kind of grown up yeah the first the first concert i went to was actually um 1998 it was depeche mode the singles tour my mother took me to the oakland coliseum yeah lost my mind after that concert i was like okay that's what i want to do for the rest of my life yeah so, i saw so then, i saw him in 01 at concord pavilion uh oh okay yeah yeah that yeah. was for the what was the name of that tour uh saving the angel playing the angel it's, i think so it sounds familiar yeah, yeah playing yeah. the angel yeah yeah but but you were you were big into depeche mode at the time oh sorry losing you right there oh you got me now Huge, huge, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it, for me. It was like Depeche Mode, The Cure, Morrissey, Joy Division, Smiths. Like that was U2. Uh, yeah, I, I bought like every single one of their albums. And like back then, there was no YouTube, so it was like trying to look for like the bootlegs and the B sides. And I'd go to Amoeba and I'd buy like the posters for like fifty dollars. And it was like, oh my god, I spent so much on this. So, um, so yeah, it it was just like one of those things where. I just I just lost it with music and of course you know I, I went to see the Cure at the Shoreland Amphitheater year two thousand then I went to a thing called remember BFD yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah I went, yeah, I went to, to a, a bunch well. of those yeah yeah and uh, I got which to, BFD did you like what 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 BFDs I I went to I went to one year two thousand it was uh, when Stain play and now okay outside and then there were like all these punk bands and then I think Blink one eighty two was closing. But the buddy that I was with, I, I really wanted to see Blink-182. Uh, but he was like, no, no, I think he got like trouble with like some girl or something. So we ended up leaving early. I would have loved to have seen Blink-182. Yeah, that was at the Shoreline also. We were, yeah. I always did like the lawn. Oh, no, 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 wait. Recently, I did, uh, the last time I went to Shoreline, I saw The Cure and I was like in the fifth row. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, seen some good shows at Shoreline too, but yeah. the Fillmore is my favorite place. Like, I, I love it. I mean, the energy there that, get, yeah. you know, you, you go to a sold out show, you get the poster, the apples like have magic in them. I don't know what, what yeah. they are, but, you know, it's that that's a, the coolest place for me to see shows. In, in yeah, the, in, the, in the Fillmore, I actually saw, um, I saw Peter Hook, who's like one of my heroes. And I, I've seen him a few times there. Then I, I went to see, let me see, where did I see him? But yeah, I've I've been a, I've been a few times. Oh wait, there was this uh, dark blue. Dark, oh, I can't remember. Uh, oh, uh, Andrew McMahon. Yeah, him. Jack's mannequin. Jack's mannequin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to see him. He was really cool as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I know him. Um, I've interviewed. We've had him on the program a, t a number of times. I oh, you know cool. I, I was actually his first interview as Jack's mannequin. Oh. Um, you know, years. Ago, I mean, that was '05 at that point. Um, but yeah. Um. I was probably at that show. Uh, the, if you saw him at the Fillmore, I mean, I've seen him there a couple of times, and you know, um, like I said he's like my favorite musician. So 
It's yeah. amazing. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I I know that you mentioned somewhere else. Like, wait, I see like, dark blue, dark blue. I got you in just a second, you yeah. know, because it, it, yeah, yeah, obviously super fan over here, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I want to kind of uh, explore. You went to school for uh, to be an actor, right? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I Mexico City from two thousand one to two thousand four. What led you in that direction? I had no idea when I what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I, I, I went to I went to community college. I was there for a year, and I was just basically slacking off really. And I had a friend that lived in Mexico City, and uh, we were talking, and, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm here in the Bay Area, I'm not doing jack. And then he's like, hey, you know, why don't you come here to Mexico City, and there's, like, this school, Televisa, where they do, like, the soap operas, and if you get in, you know, it doesn't cost anything. So I had no money back then, so I was like, okay, you know, free scholarship. But, like, as soon as I auditioned, I got in, and then I, I stayed there for like three years until I graduated and it was really it was a really cool experience because I think that it it also enhanced my music and maybe my performance in a way so yeah it, yeah. it was it was a good experience to have like some sort of like a schooling because I never went to university or anything but I do feel like I like I had some sort of like a artistic type school yeah sure and and so after school was that when you started uh, doing some acting um were you on any soap operas at all or I did, yeah, I did do soap operas. I was, I, I did a few in Colombia, and did, I did a few in Ecuador as well, and uh, they were a lot of fun to do. It's almost like, remember, like those Asians, kind of like, rah, uh -huh, you know, yeah, yeah. The bigger, the, there's no, there's no such thing as too much. You know, the bigger it is, the more, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really a lot of fun. It's like an over the top. It's, it's almost like, the room with Tommy Wiseau type thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it it was it, it's like awesomely bad stuff you do, you know. So uh, yeah, I always say like George Clooney did Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Jen Aniston did Leprechaun. Yeah. I did soap operas. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, was it a consistent thing, or were you like a, a an extra character? Like what did what was your now you gotta you gotta break it open. Like what did what was your involvement in the soap opera? Yeah, yeah. Well, my, the first the first character I did was actually like the good guy. It, it, I was kind of like the virginal guy, and then like my girlfriend, she wanted to get with me, and I was like, no, this is not right. So then suddenly she shows up like in her lingerie, and I'm like, you know, all for it, you know. And then the second the second soap opera I did, I was the bad guy. Yeah. And that was that was more interesting. I I, I felt a little bit like uh, I'm not trying to make a comparison, but with like Marlon Brando's Streetcar Named Desire, that's what I mm -hmm. was. Kinda hoping to do but ob obviously like over the top <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah. It, it's just one of those things that it, it, it was a lot of fun to do and I'm, I maybe in the future I do them I, I don't know but I'm I'm really happy right now doing doing my music <laughs> it's it, it's uh, you know probably more of an artistic thing for you than, for sure, for and sure. but you started writing music back when you were in school as as well right you were kind of dabbling in uh, in that direction yeah, I was, I was, I was writing songs. The thing is that, like, in all the classrooms, there were, there was also like, a, there was, there was like this huge, like, Steinway piano in every single one of them. So what I, what would happen is that if school started at eight o'clock, I'd get there at seven fifteen, and I'd be playing all day and just, you know, not, not all day, but like the forty-five minutes before like school started every single day, and I just started writing, 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 and eventually, I think that in, in acting school is when I, when I really felt like I, I think I'm more music. You know, it's like I'm I'm so 
I, I couldn't get it out of my my head. And I, I actually do remember like one of my teachers saying to me, you know what? I think that this this whole acting thing is not for you. You're more into music. So, uh, but yeah. of course, you know, I had I had already started, and I was you were in it. I graduate, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So then I was I was lucky enough that I graduated, and I didn't leave it like you know half. And did you teach yourself piano or did you have someone else teaching, you know, helping you? I just knew chords. Like I was never yeah. like very, you know, a virtuoso, but of course, oh, there was actually like for, we, we took ballet. So we always had like a, we, we always had like a ma maestro come and like play and stuff. And I always, and I would always ask him, Hey, can you teach me how to play certain chords? And he always taught me, you know, like really basic stuff. And, and that's when, that's when I realized, I, said, I was like, I think I'm more, my inclination is more into music more than anything else yeah yeah and uh and so um you're i mean from there you had written some songs kind of um as you know you're you're a latin pop star of sorts right like tell yeah. me tell me about kind of how you went in that direction um well the thing is that i, I think that the fact that i am like part hispanic had a lot to do with uh with definitely my my influence in in wanting to you know write music and i i had a I, my, my dear friend and, and producer aldo muñoz from from guadalajara uh he works with a lot of like latin bands and stuff like that and i and i think that instinctively i just started writing like music in in, in spanish and kind of dabbling a little bit and, and playing with fusion doing a lot of electronic music uh, but with you know, but with like sometimes like with, cum like a, with a cumbia, you know, or like with a little bit of la salsa, or like the the congas, the bongos, and uh, so yeah, th that's that's kind of like how it was at the beginning for me. And and I did do some some big shows. I did, um, I opened up for a huge artist named his name is Carlos Vives. He's from Colombia, and I opened up for him in, in Guadalajara. And I was like with with Latin music and stuff like that. So, um, but then eventually. I think that what happened was that I, I wanted to do something different, you know, because I, I had been, had been doing a lot of this like Spanish type pop oriented. And uh, so then that's w w definitely when I met Creative Entertainment Network, which is the company that I am with right now, that led into like this whole, um, like the new me trying to find like who I was or just trying to just trying something different. You know, I didn't want to repeat myself. And then that's when I started, you know, dabbling with industrial music. And I, 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 I got obsessed with like the Sex Pistols, um, the church, Joy Division, Peter Hook, and then just everything. That, that, that's when I think that everything really came into place. Because obviously, you know, um, I think that I do use a lot of like even even rhythms like like bass rhythms that are very like heavily Latin influenced, you know, which is kind of like what the Doors used to do. The Doors yeah. the Doors did a lot of like uh, and and uh, Ray Manzarek talks about this once, you know, that with uh, uh, the song "Break On Through," it's a uh, bossa nova, and I was like, huh. So I remember when when he said that, I was like, oh, that rings a bell. So I think that for me, it's kind of like that, you know. I always put stuff together and well, ratting off was the result of that <laughs> chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But you, so you had an EP at, um, when you were 21 years, years old, right? Like, I mean, did, how did that uh, come together for you? Was it pretty natural? Did you have a lot of support? Yeah, I did. The, the thing with the EP is that I feel like it was, 
almost like paying a homage to like the bands that I grew up listening to, which was like The Cure, U2, Depeche Mode. And it was very easy to make, quote unquote, because I was, I think that I was emulating a lot of sounds and even like guitar riffs and stuff like that. So what was different was that with, uh, with this LP, it was exactly the opposite. I, did, I really didn't know what I, what I wanted to do. I really didn't know what I was going to write or what I was going to say or, or what type of sound there was. You know, it was, it was like walking into this white canvas and not knowing anything. And I think that by removing the safety net, I was able to, to find my own sound versus like, as, as you mentioned with, with, with the EP, it was like, I already knew what I, as, as I was writing the songs, I was like, okay, I know how it's going to sound in my head. Like I was like, I was going to put like, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to put like this de these delays or these pads or this, you know, but always referencing something already created. And with this, with this one, it was, it was completely removing the safety net and, and feeling, feeling many times insecure, you know, about where it was going. And, uh, but the end result was like, wow, it, it just made me, yeah. I, I felt like, like I'd been walking in a limp for most of my life. And when I heard the, this LP, I was like, wow, I finally found myself. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom kind of taught you guitar, right? Yeah. Yeah. She, um, she used to play guitar for my sister and I when we were kids and, um, and she, and then when I was like 12 or 13, she she bought me a guitar and she taught me how to play my first chords and uh and i and, I, and then i wrote a song called poor boy <laughs> uh so yeah it brings back a lot of you you're definitely bringing back a lot, a lot of memories yeah yeah, she, yeah. thanks to her i start, i think i started writing music have your parents been supportive throughout your i mean the different channels of your career yeah i think i think that i earned that support. I think that if they would have seen that I was just like that, I was just like kind of like throwing a tantrum, they would have been. Like, eh. But I think that they see in me that I really, really love music, and that you know, that's kind of like my passion and my life. And uh, so it, it's been a great thing. It's been a really great, really great thing. Yeah, and um, and so tell me, kind of developmentally for yourself. I mean, you went through this phase. You you wanted to take your mother's name. Um, and also, um, you insisted on having a second baptism, right? I mean, was this kind of all around the same time period? This happened around like two or three years ago. And it was, it was a really weird thing because I remember waking up one morning and saying, okay, well, I, I'd like to change my name. And, and I said to my, I was telling my mom and I was like, well, I, I, I want to take your last name. And I thought that I could just do this online. I didn't know that you had to go like show up in court and they gave you like a day and everything. And so I, I actually did, did go through all that. And, and I think that I sent in my submission like in November and then March I had, uh, no, I'm sorry, January 11th. Uh, I went to court and I, it was like, you know, the judge, you know, he gave me my last name and Ratnoff. And then March 17th, I had the father um, they do like a baptism for me and it was like a very like a spiritual awakening and my life really has changed ever since and it's been really great you know because at the beginning you know I had a few naysayers saying hey you know what like why why are you changing your name you've already had like a song at the top 40 with your last name and I said you know what it just feels right you know if it feels right to me it's going to be okay and and luckily I was right <laughs> yeah 
Got to do what's right for you. Don't listen yeah. to other people, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Got to do what's right for you. Yeah. So uh, tell me about like who's helped guide you along the way as you've gotten to this point where you're, you know, about to put out your, I mean, the, the first full length album. Yeah. Well, for me, it was really important to be with a group of people that really believed in, in my music and that believed in me. And, uh, and that, you know, shout out to Vinny Rich and Adam Pollock from Creative Entertainment Network and, and all the team, you know, Dana, Ali, Jess, John Suchak, Bill Burrs, all those guys, you know, they are, they are a part of, a part of me, you know, and they are just at the forefront, it's just, just as I am, I feel, you know, it's like, we're like the dream team. <laughs> and uh, so they definitely helped me. And obviously my producer, uh, Wes Sharon, that I worked with, and he definitely with him, it was baptism under fire, man. I mean, I, for certain songs that I would do like 10, 12 takes and I would just hate every single minute of it. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? And then when I heard the album, I was like, okay, that's why you did this to me. You know, it was like one of those things. Um, so yeah, definitely like all the team from, from creative entertainment network were the ones really who helped me define my sound. Mm -hmm. So Wes Sharon producing it, like, tell me about that that dynamic a little bit more what what did Wes bring out you know, of you that you know you said you went in um and you had kind of had a vision of what you wanted from this album but what did Wes bring to it what Wes did is that he um you usually like when I always like even when, when I work with my producer Aldo Munoz from Guadalajara and everything it was always quote unquote it was always kind of like my way or the highway ish you know, where, where I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. With Wes, it was completely all him. You know, I really had to trust, you know, that he, that, that I was in the right hands. And that took me a while because I never worked with him. And obviously, you know, when you write the songs, you always hear, like, as a songwriter, I think that's inevitable. You always hear something in your head. And when, and when, when you're here, what you're hearing in your head doesn't go with what the producer's saying that creates a little bit of chaos. So most of the time I was really uncomfortable, but I said to myself, okay, if I'm, un if I'm uncomfortable, it means that it's, it's going somewhere, you know, he's, it's pushing me to become better. So definitely with him, as I said, it, it was a, a baptism under fire. He really, really made me work very hard. I mean, if he didn't like something, he would make me do, I, there was one song, he made me do like 10 or 12 takes. Yeah. Completely Which one was that? That was um, Destiny Waits. Mm, okay. And, uh, yeah, and I and I remember that there was there was one day that I just I, it actually took me two days to be able to record that song, and on on the second day I was like Wes, we need to like change the key of the song or something, and, and then he was like, no, we're not gonna do that, but you're gonna you know you're you're gonna pull through, and I ended up pulling through, and it was one of those things where it was like finally, finally. So he really he really made me work very very hard and i'm really happy because he he helped me found my voice were there more songs than this album that you kind of went you brought in and you 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 cut some back to to take it down to 10 or did it kind of, was this pretty fleshed out it was i remember that when i got to oklahoma it i had written maybe like 20 songs so what Wes did was that he would he would write them all like in a board like old school and as because since we only had one month to to do the whole album it was like instinctively you know like okay what do you think about this song okay yes how do you, but then, oh this one we shouldn't do okay so i would just delete it i would i would i would erase the song you know 
so that's kind of how it was going. It, it was like this instinctive thing where it was like little by little, you know, the board would get a lot shorter with the names, the names, the names. And then suddenly, you know, we, we uh, but it, it was, it was something that, that really uh, flowed very naturally. You know, it wasn't something like, oh, you know, I want to do this song. Well, no, you're going to, no, it was, it, it flowed really, really nicely. Uh, but of course, you know, the, the process was still really, really tough because we only had one month to record yeah. the songs, work them from the, from the bottom up and have them all, you know, uh, almost like ready for, for pre-production. And, but we managed to do it and it was, it was really great. I don't remember the first two or three weeks because I was just so tired the whole time and I was drinking unlimited cups of coffee, but Hey, we, we did it and it was great. Yeah. Were there some that were painful to let go of? There were some that maybe you, you mentioned how yeah, you're a big fan of B-sides or yeah. some you might put out as B-sides later. Or yeah, th there was there was one that was really hard for me to let go of. But I think that when I when I wrote it, uh, no, when I presented it, it, it didn't sound as good. Then later on, I did a few tweaks and I was like, oh, now it sounds better. But, you know, things happen for a reason. So. Yeah, I think there was just one song that I just almost didn't push. But but then again, there there was one that it's called, and that's I think the only um, ballad that there is in the album. And Wes didn't want to do it, and I really pushed mm. for that one. And when he heard it, I was like, "Told you so." <laughs> it was like it was the only time I got to say "Told you so," but. Yeah, so I, I would have been crushed if that song wouldn't have made it to the record because I actually wrote it like two days before I, I went to Oklahoma. Was it Light Me Up? No, it was, it was, no, it was, it was a song called Better. It was, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a ballad, like a romantic type ballad with like some Marshall type guitar. No, definitely Light Me Up was one of those ones that was just like hair in the back of your neck moment. It was like, we have to do this song. Yeah, it was such yeah. a nice to do and yeah. light me up you wrote about uh your neighbors right like yeah the neighbors yeah because i was living back then i was still living at, at my mother's apartment and um and of course you know with the whole pandemic you couldn't go out you know so i really couldn't go out i couldn't go out to karaoke i couldn't go out anywhere and the neighbors started complaining about about me and i wasn't and when i when i'd be singing and i wasn't even i wasn't even mic like they were asking that i specifically not sing at all like if they would have told me something like you know what like after nine o'clock after 10 i would been like okay but it was like don't do anything at all and this song came out of that it was like and if your neighbors don't like it you know what they can buy <laughs> uh -huh. so yeah it's 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 one of those songs that every time i hear it i just yeah it cracks me up because did I'm, you play it, nice nice and loud for them uh, oh of course <laughs> of course i was gonna play it nice and loud for them you're like here th thanks to you guys big f you to you guys but also thanks no no i'm just kidding <laughs> but really uh, yeah but really right oh god so, so how the video for that song uh, come about how tell, and how do you kind of parlay your vision into the you know into it tell me about that yeah i i really wanted to make something very flashy like i really wanted to push the envelope and I told Jen Rosenstein, the producer, the, the producer and director, I was like, Let, let's just go all the way. You know, it's like, let's play with, with the idea of me being like this overblown rock star. And uh, so, she, so she said to me, okay, let's just leave it to me. And so what I did is I brought my leather pants. I bought like mm -hmm. a, a few very flashy shirts and uh, and it, it was really cool because as we were recording it, it was almost like 
I wanted, I, w- I wanted kind of like the atmosphere to obscure me so the song could come out. You know, it was like, I wanted it to be more about the song than, than about me. And I, I'd rather have like the, the listener or, or the person who's viewing the video be like, oh my God, that's a, what a cool song. What a cool, what cool colors rather than, oh, look at his hair or look at his, you know, kind of like that and that. So I, I really, I, I really went all the way with, with the song. It was, it was kind of like emancipation. I really loved, you know, doing, doing the video because I, I really felt like I was just lost in all of the in all the colors, you know, because it was constantly changing like the colors. And it, it it was really great, and then obviously like the smoke and the, the effects and everything. It, it was really stepping out of my comfort zone, and I I really loved it. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask you about Ferrari. Yeah. Um, oh God. <laughs> Ferrari. Uh-huh. Oh my God. My first cover band. Yep, yep, do tell. What? <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that was that was right after I finished uh, oh man. After I finished school in Mexico City, I went back to Manzanillo, which is the the little town where I uh, where I lived for for a little bit for first let me see 10 or 12 years of my life. And um and I had a friend there played the guitar and he said to me, "Hey, we should form a band." And I was like, okay, what do you want the band name to be? And, and one of them was like, what about Ferrari? And I was like, Ferrari? Sure, let's do it. And so, so yeah, we, we started doing covers with Ferrari. <laughs> and it was like, let me see, we did like Oasis. Uh, we did even like Enrique Iglesias. We did, uh, let me see, we did Lenny Kravitz. Um, we did this other song, uh, got some change in my pocket going jingling oh god it was like that was like 2004 that was such a long time but it was it was really a lot of fun and i think when we had a great you know a kind of like a cool following in that and and i think that the only reason why we had a following was because we were we were like the only band there locally yeah everybody would come see us you know it was like Like, this is what we got so yeah So, so yeah, it wasn't so much that we were good. It's just that we were the only option there was. <laughs> you know, a couple of drinks, anything is good, right? So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Everything sounds great with a couple of drinks. Oh, man. But yeah, that, yeah. that was kind of, yeah, that was my first, like, cover band. And I don't know if we were any good, but we really had a lot of fun together. And, and people really enjoyed coming to watch us. Yeah. You were um, in a couple cover bands, though, right? I wasn't, no, I was just, that was oh. like my only one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then eventually I did want to be part of a, of a cover band, but later on I realized that I wasn't that good singing other people's music. Hmm. You know, like I couldn't, I couldn't sing songs like uh, uh, Living on a Prayer or like a Sweet Child of Mine because they're, they're like way too high for me. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why also like I, I got so much into like writing my own songs because I couldn't I, I realized that I was just terrible at covering I, other people's you know songs and I and and I did like audition for a few and they would tell me oh that's not how the song goes you know so I always I always heard like something different in my head I think that's that was a that was a big problem for me and but but also I think that that's what made me uh find myself it's because when I write a song, I think that I'm doing it all like the wrong way. Like it's not the way, like the conventional way of like, you know, writing a song. I, I think I learn more from the things that I don't know than from things that I, that I do. It's not that I'm different. It's just that I'm not doing it the right way. <laughs> yeah. 
when, when you write songs do you i mean is there a place you go to to write it is do you do, take a lot of notes in your phone or voice voice memos and kind of put pieces together or like what's a what processes work for you yeah i actually do both i i'll sometimes be recording like some an idea that i get in my head or i'll write something down um or even sometimes i'll i'll hear like a like a riff you know on on the radio or even like on youtube and that'll inspire me to do it's like oh okay maybe i can write a melody around it's basically like a chord sequence and um so yeah i i just i just kind of let it flow but it's i i feel like the my best songs i've written like in 10 15 minutes tops and and it always comes comes from that you know uh, right now you you mentioned the the voice the voice memo the voice notes that's such a powerful thing because you can be like in the supermarket is like and then you go back and you listen to it then you start developing so yeah that's that's kind of like how my my process has been it's it's been voice memos or or sitting down and just like playing a, a chord progression and then suddenly you know or or with the song better which is the ballad i i remember that i was laying down in my bed and it and i woke up and i said I'm tired of feeling I'm tired of feeling that nothing ever works. And I was like, oh, cool. So I was like, I'm tired of feeling that nothing ever works. And I was like, grab my guitar at the speed of light, pen, paper and start writing. You know, so it's like anything that sparks, you know, uh, a word or a thought or a melody, you know, can 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 potentially be a song, even yeah. a voice, a voice note, you know, can be a song, you know. Yeah. You ever get any looks in the supermarket when you, if you just, someone just strikes and you got to sing it into your phone, you just sign. <laughs> oh no, not all. And of course, you know, because the microphone is so good that like, uh -huh. then later when you listen to it, like you can hear it and it's like, oh, okay. Wow. That sounds really great. But I did have once like a tape recorder, like back in the day. And I did, yeah. I remember going into Ralph's or Safeway and going like because those microphones weren't that good, so you had to like sing a little bit louder. So of course I'd you know I I, I try to put myself away from like the other people and yeah. But now with with cell phones it's magnificent. I love technology. Oh, oh for sure, for sure, for sure. So so having you know done the band thing with the with the cover bands and now kind of this album more so on your own. I mean, do you see yourself? In the future, you know, building a band, having a, a backing band to support your your music in any sense, or how do you kind of, where do you oh, go with? Oh, for music? sure, for sure, definitely. I uh, that's that's actually going to be the next step. We're going to be doing shows, and uh, we're going to have like a like a band backing me up and everything. We still haven't decided like on the band members, but uh, but that's already like in the talks. And I really want bass drums, guitar, keyboard, and like backing tracks, you know, just to mm -hmm. build everything more because I love technology. With technology, you can do so much and I am all for that. Yeah. Do the leather pants come out on stage? I will, yeah. Leather pants will come out on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won't come off though, but they'll, they'll be- Oh, up. no, they don't come off very easily. So I don't, I don't see many wardrobe changes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah. What can you tell me about tour? Do you have, I mean, are you planning? Yeah. It sounds like you're planning some shows. What do you got cooking up? Anything in the area? Uh, the, uh, we're still doing, we're, we still have like talks with uh, definitely the team is getting all that ready for, for me. And, and first we have to like choose like the, the band members. And then from there, they're, you know, I, I know that they're already talking about like possible places, but uh, Vinny Rich, who I work with and, like my my manager in a way he said to me you know i, I don't want to overwhelm you right now step by step 
members and I'm just gonna let you know where to park. Okay, cool. Just let me know and I'll bring my microphone and my leather pants. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So um, as we wind out, anything fun planned for the, the rest of the summer? What are you what are you up to right now? The album's done. <laughs> yeah, well I, promoting. Now now yeah. it's like the whole yeah, promo and radio and uh, we're gonna be doing like a a national launch of a song called Another Day which is going to be the third single. Uh, the song Take Me Away is also um, playing in some specialty radios. But the, uh, the third single, Another Day, is going to be the one that's going to be like national. So really excited about that. Nice. I like it. Well, uh, dig the album. And yeah, right now, thank you for taking the time. And hopefully get to see you out at some uh, shows here in the area really soon. So Yeah, I'll let you know if I come to Napa. Napa, right? Yeah, Napa. Yeah. I mean, we... We got, I mean, Napa's built up so much uh, yeah. over the, I mean, I grew up in Napa and um, there was nothing here, nothing. And now we have Bottle Rock, right? I mean, which is huge. It's freaking ginormous. Um, I mean, we have other, you know, places where they, they built venues in, the, in town. I mean, it's just gone from nothing to, I mean, being legit over yeah. the past 15, 15 years. It's crazy. So Gotta do it, man. Napa! <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, you have an awesome rest of your day, uh, Ratnoff. And uh, I know you're excited for the album to come out and um, look forward to yeah. it rolling out as well. So Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Well, right, when yeah. I started named Steve Jones, I was like, for Sex, Sex Pistols? Pistols? Yeah, I know but, you said you're uh, a, a fan. You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Great name. A, oh, fun, funny story. Uh, the neighbor from my mom's apartment, his name is Steven Tyler. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, he lives okay. downstairs. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, but it's yeah. You, you know, you you get you have a name like a noble name, and you kind of some things happen with it. I'll tell you a funny funny one before we wrap. Um, yeah. So I I interviewed the uh this uh these classic rock dudes, and yeah. um uh then one of them reached out to me four months ago or something four or five months ago and yeah. was like hey we have this streaming youtube show um we're doing radio djs and um you know you want to be on it i'm like okay sure uh yeah. and uh and so like a, a week before or whatever or a couple of days before i was i watched their most recent episode just to see you know what the deal was and whatever and at the end they were talking oh we got steve jones from the sex pistols you know on next week and uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I am not him but yeah so i text i text him and i can just you know through the text i can see kind of the oh shit moment you know a little yeah. bit and uh and and him texting his brother who's the classic classic rock guy also that does a show with him and i'm, I'm i can just see this stuff happening right and yeah. uh uh and whatever and then he's like i'm like it's 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 fine if you don't want to do it you know i don't no biggie right because yeah, Steve yeah, Jones yeah. from Sex Whistles does like a radio show in England too, right? Yeah. Same sort of thing. And uh, and uh, his is more successful, let's just say. It. But <laughs> but uh, but still. So he's like, no, no, we'll we'll still have you on, you know, sort of thing. And I'm so I went and did it, and it was fun, uh, whatever. But uh, but but it was just a funny mix up with yeah. you know, oh yeah, cool, man. So good times. Good times. Uh, good times. Get out there, get on the road, get the album out, and. Uh, and wear the leather pants, I think. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You have a good one, okay? All right. Thanks so much, Steve. All right. Hopefully, we'll see Thanks you soon in Napa, man. That was the interview with Ratanoff here on Concert Pipeline. And that takes us to the final segment of the program, the music news. 
have a handful of stories, what's going on in the music world. So time to share that now. Uh, the first being a big loss. Uh, a lot of people uh, shared their emotions and sadness toward uh, someone who was really, um, you know, really pivotal in the hip hop world. And that is Biz Markey. Um, his, uh, he's most notable for his song, Just a Friend. Uh, so um, we lost Biz Markey. Um, he died at age 57. Um, an innovative yet proudly goofy rapper, he had an unlikely crossover hit with a tune that led one critic to call him favorably the father of modern bad singing. Um, and uh, he, uh, just a friend, earned him the nickname Clown Prince of Hip Hop. He died um, this past week. He was 57. Uh, his death was confirmed by his manager who did not specify the cause or say where he died. He'd been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes uh, in his late 40s and said that he lost 140 pounds over the years that followed. Uh, I wanted to live, he told ABC News in 2014. Um, a native New Yorker and an early collaborator with hip-hop trailblazers like Marley Marl, uh, Roxanne Shanty, and Big Daddy Kane, Bismarcky became a teenage beatboxer and freestyle rapper. He eventually made a name for himself as a resident court jester of Queensbridge-based uh, collective, The Juice Crew, and its cold, chilling label um, under the uh, tutelage of the influence radio DJ, Mr. Magic. Um, it's a loss. It's a loss. And a lot of people are, you know, really devastated right now. So our thoughts go out to, um, uh, to uh, business family and everybody that's uh, affected by that. Um, Freddie Mercury wrote Elvis Presley a tribute in the bath in 10 minutes. Um, Crazy Little Thing Called Love was written and released two years after Presley's death. Um, and uh, Roger Taylor and Brian May have uh, said that he wrote that song that quickly. Uh, it was released in 1979 uh, during the latest episode of Queen the Greatest, which looks back on, uh, on the band's career. Taylor and May recalled the origins of Crazy Little Thing Called Love and its impact on the group. Uh, talking about trying to change tact with their recording process, seven albums in, um, May, um, okay, enough of that. Um, I said Queen got into this rather in, uh, indulgent way of just bowling into the studio with no ideas or very few ideas and just doing it from scratch. And Taylor added, the first thing we did was Crazy Little Thing. And Fred did write the song in the bath in about 10 minutes. Uh, and the, in terms of his love for Presley, um, or, uh, May said, he was very fond of Elvis and of Cliff, I have to say, yeah, Freddie wrote it very quickly and rushed in and put it down with the boys. By the time I got there, it was almost done. So really quick song. Sometimes, I mean, the, the best songs come out in, um, in the quickest time. It's, uh, it's really crazy how that works. You know, sometimes it you work on a song for 10 years and it's never just right. But um, with that song, it seemed to be a quick hit. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, um, that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, all right. Um, so next up in the music news, um, is some, I mean, Britney Spears is all in the headlines. Uh, she says she's not going to perform live while her 
father is her conservator. Uh, she said, I'm not going to be performing on any stages soon with my dad handling what I, uh, what I wear, say, do, or think. Uh, she shared social media posts suggesting she has no plans to perform live um, while her father, Jamie Spears, remains her conservator. And um, she's responding to the, the comments saying the only style performing she, uh, she'll commit to anytime soon is the dancing videos she posts online. For those of you who choose to criticize my dancing videos, look, I'm not gonna be performing on any stages anytime soon with my dad handling what I wear to think. I've done that for the past 13 years and much rather share videos, yes, from my living room instead of on stage in Vegas where some people were so far gone they couldn't even shake my hand and I ended up getting a contact high from weed all the time. Um, so, and elsewhere, she criticized her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears, for performing remixes of her music at an award show and said the ongoing conservatorship has killed her dreams. Um, a lot of people are doing the hashtag Free Britney, um, trying to get her to um, get better from that. So hopefully that works out well for Britney. Okay, next up is about Willow Smith. Uh, she shaved her head on stage while performing a rock version of Whip My Hair. Now, if that isn't fucking rock and roll, I don't know what is but she's a Smith kid. So <laughs> uh, they're in a whole different world. Uh, and she continued to perform the song on her guitar as it happened. She's known artistically as Willow. Uh, and uh, she had her head shaved uh, during a performance of Whip My Hair. She was performing as part of her Facebook Live event, Willow in Concert, Lately I Feel Everything, on Friday, July 16th. Uh, Willow was mid-performance of a punk rock rendition of her surprise 2010 song when a leather jacket-laden woman, herself uh, donning an undercut, walked out on stage bringing a stool and clippers. Willow, now seated, doesn't miss a beat of the song. She continues to perform on guitar while her hair is ceremoniously shaved. Uh, of course, you can see this happen on video if you look online on uh, um, uh, Twitter. Um, and the event uh, took place on Facebook Live. Uh, and it also fe features previously announced collaborations with Avril Lavigne and Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker uh, to appear on G-R-O-W. Barker also performing on Gaslight and the previously released uh, Transparent Soul, which is all spaced out in a weird kid way. Um, so, uh, so you can check all that out online. Willow Smith, rocking out. Um, big news in the Metallica world. Uh, not only are they going to be playing the Chase Center in San Francisco, uh, but uh, for two nights. But there's three new Metallica jigsaw puzzles set for release in September. Ooh, I'm on the edge of my seat. 500-piece jigsaws will let fans assemble the covers to Saint Anger. Yeah, that's the one you're going to choose, right? Uh, Death Magnetic and Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Um, I did get into Metallica around the St. Anger time and see them on that tour. So, uh, but that's definitely not the, uh, their, their pivotal album or anything. So um, you can get those albums uh, in jigsaw form now though. And uh, they're headed to production set uh, and set for release on September 17th. So you can check those out soon. All right. Uh, and the last story, is, uh, of course, has to do with Mr. Dave Grohl, or shall I say, the DGs, uh, which is the, uh, the Foo Fighters, uh, you can call them a cover band of sorts, uh, where they did, they did a cover album, they dressed up in 70s, and, uh, and then uh, they uh, did a, an, uh, an EP of sorts called Hail Satan. 
Um, it has, it, I guess you could call it a full length. It has five songs of uh, um, Bee Gees covers and also five songs of uh, covers from their uh, Medicine at Midnight album that they, uh, that they did. And, you know, I'll tell you, I listened to it, you know, one and a half times today and was excited about it. The Bee Gees covers were pretty solid, but sounded exactly like the Bee Gees. Um, and the Foo Fighters song, uh, song, I was expected to be in more BG style format, um, and they didn't seem that different. I mean, it just sounded like Foo Fighters, really. Maybe a, a little bit different, you know, than the album versions, but it did not sound disco-esque. So I was a little bummed out by uh, that. But glad to hear uh, new Foo Fighters recordings because the Foo Fighters are awesome. Um, all right. That is our show for today. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, Michelle Lambert is going to be on the show uh, next week. Had a great chat with her ahead of her performance uh, at Napa City Nights. She's doing a lot of shows around the Bay, so you can see those. Um, thank you to Ratanoff uh, and look for him to be touring, hopefully in the not too distant future. And uh, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. I will catch you next time.